Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. One, two, Hello and welcome into the College Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagno alongside the 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins, fresh off the plane from Nashville, getting ready for his bachelor party weekend. Big weekend for Drew. Drew, we got the uh, the, the countdown. What are we, a little over about 40 days until you get married? Uh, dude, I don't know the number. Hey, I'm not the only one with going to a bachelor party this weekend. You're going to one as well. So I'm going to see Shaq Diesel in Miami this weekend, baby. The 305, right? That's the area code? Yeah, yes. Little, little pit bull, little pit bull action. Who knows? He might make an appearance. Well, it's like when you watch a, a Dolphins game or a Hurricanes game and they're like, oh, the, the stadium's in South Beach. You're actually going to be in South Beach. You're not going to be out. Uh, close to where I live, not in South Beach, you know, where Hard Rock is. So You know me. I just think Florida is one big melting pot. I could be in Jacksonville, and I have no idea what the difference is. You yeah, know, you'd be, you'd I, be like, yeah, that's your backyard. Yeah, that's in your backyard. All right, big day yesterday, second signing day. That's what we're going to call it, February 1st. And we had a little bit of drama, I guess you could call it that. But before we even dive into five-star athlete Nicholas Harbor and his declaration, for South Carolina. Andrew, your biggest takeaways yesterday, you were on the desk. You had a long day. I believe you were there at 9 a.m. Eastern time to 1 p.m. Eastern time. You had a recap show in the afternoon. Put in a lot of work. You with the director of Steve Wolfong, Emily Proud, Josh Pate, so on and so forth. Everybody did an excellent job. And if you're looking for that coverage, you can find it on 247sports.com in the 247 Sports YouTube channel. But Andrew, just uh, from from one analyst to another, your biggest takeaways from yesterday's signing day? Well, I think we outlined it earlier in the week on this podcast, but the hay was in the barn for a lot of schools already, right? 5% of the player pool was in play. Deuce Harbor, our number one ranked tight end, he ends up not even signing yesterday. Uh, Patak Flag, Patak Flag, Nicholas Harbor, Deuce Robinson. Deuce Robinson. What, what, did, I say, what did I say? You said Deuce Harbor. Long oh, flight, man, long flight, long flight, a little bit okay, of context. Yeah, you're all right. You're all right. Uh, I've, I've, I've had to repeat myself a lot. <laughs> to be to explain how tired I am, 
I, I, I took an Uber to the airport this morning and I don't even know if this actually happened or if it was a dream. Like I can't decipher it. I get in this Tesla and the guy's like, Hey, I'm writing a, a book on astrology. And, uh, normally I like to talk to my passengers and just kind of ask different questions to see if my theories lined up. Can I ask you some things? And then he proceed, I tell him my birthday, just, just the day and the month. And he just dissects my whole personality and it's like spot on. I, I don't know if it was a dream or if it actually happened. That's, that's how delusional I am right now. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that sounds like a dream. And if that was reality, <laughs> wow, what a, what a morning <laughs> you had. Like six in the morning, this guy's like, yep, you know, you, you, you just, uh, you're, you're a hard worker. I, I was, dude, it was, it was all over the place. I still don't know if that was real. I got to check my Uber receipts to see if that was a, uh, if that was, if that was real. So, all right, back to what was the biggest storyline of signing day? Um, I, I just, I, I think Shane Beamer in, in, in South Carolina, right? We said on the podcast, we thought it was uh, Nike versus Under Armour for Nicholas Harbor, the freak of all freaks. And when we went to bed on Tuesday night, signing day eve, Steve Wiltfong was saying that Harbor was headed to Oregon and looked like it was done. And then when he walked into the 24-7 sports war room on Wednesday morning and he said that Harbor's going to South Carolina, I thought he was joking. And he's like, no, I, I'm, I'm serious. And he was all jolly and all happy. So um, I, to me, we already love South Carolina's recruiting class. We talked about it at length, about an under-the-radar recruiting class. Now they add, I think – I don't think he is the biggest freak in the 2023 cycle. So it's, to me, it's the story Shane Beamer, right? How quickly he has revamped and, and retooled that roster. I didn't ever envision him when he took over that he would do something like this. Again, they, they signed one of the worst recruiting classes ever two years ago. So I, I think he is the biggest winner on signing day. Do, do we ever get any context on from Steve, whether it's behind the scenes or, or maybe while you were on air? what the really the, the deciding factor was for Nicholas Harbor and his family when he made the decision to go to South Carolina. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I, I, I didn't really ask. I mean, Steve brought up the fact that he, he being Harbor knew that coaching staff at South Carolina, the best, that's the guys he had the best relationship with. I think he likes the track coach there for the Gamecocks. And I, I noted this, I, I don't have the guy's name in front of me, but, He's been there for 23 years, the track coach. He has coached 60 NCAA champions. He was an assistant coach on Team USA for the 2016 Rio Games. He already has a football player uh, on his track team, meaning a guy that goes both ways. I think it's a lot easier to point to or try to sell the vision of a guy doing both sports if someone's already doing it. I don't know the case at Oregon that well. I know Roderick Pleasant who's also a, a freak track athlete. He signed with the Ducks on Wednesday. Um, but I just haven't heard in the past. And Cooper, you worked at Oregon. Like, do, do the football players do track there? It's like, you know, I, I think when you're in the sales pitch and you're sitting in the living room, all this stuff sounds really good. But but few times, like, guys show up on campus and it's actually ex executed. Like Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, the five-star corner from, what was that, last cycle? You know, he was going to play basketball at Alabama. I think he did, like, one – off-season workout and then they just said no you're playing football so yeah I, I think for most guys that come in with dual sport aspirations unless you're somebody like Nicholas Harbor or Deuce Robinson 
And let's just say that's been a, a secondary sport to you and something that you've tested well in or maybe had some type of success at the high school level. Typically, what we see is that that doesn't carry over to the next level. That being said, Roderick Pleasant is legitimate, and so is Nicholas Harbor when it comes to track and field. So it will be interesting. The other part that's interesting about this is, you know, the weight fluctuation right now. Nicholas Harbor is probably floating around anywhere from 225 to 230 pounds, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what his weight will be at during track and field season versus him being on a football field where I know South Carolina would like him probably closer to 250 pounds. I don't want to push back on this, but I, the guys at the big spur, the 24-7 sports South Carolina site, which someone told me had one of the best months ever for 24-7 sports. That's what I heard when I was in Nashville. Uh, they pointed out to me that Harbor is probably going to be like a wide receiver for them, which I kind of like even more, like that vision of just putting him in the slot. Uh, so that's what I heard. So I, I could see maybe actually being around 225 pounds, 230 pounds, but that's just that's just me it, speculating and guessing. It feels very Eric Gilbert-ish, right? Eric Gilbert only had that one year at LSU, but he, he didn't spend a lot of time in line. You know, he's one of the best pass catching threats we've seen, even with his inability to stay on the football field. That one year he had at LSU, I believe during a COVID season, you kind of saw the potential of an Eric Gilbert. And that's the one guy that I would point back to and say, OK, Nicholas Harbor kind of fits the mold of what Eric Gilbert was and what we expected him to be. That never matured. Maybe we see that at Nebraska. I think Eric Gilbert, a lot more natural of a, of, of a pass catcher and a lot more natural of a route runner and a lot more natural of a athlete in regards to how it translates onto a football field. But that would be the if I had if I had a player comparison for him, that would be it. So I, I wouldn't expect him. They're not going to ask him to do too much in line. That's not going to be his game. But I do think he's going to need a little bit of polish. And I, and I tweeted that yesterday just in terms of like, hey, if, if, if I could give one piece of advice to South Carolina fans, it's to have a little bit of patience with Nicholas Harbor. And yes, he's going to be very difficult to keep off the field early just because of the size and the speed and what he offers you in that realm. But he's going to need a year or so to get acclimated at the next level, in my opinion. I agree with you. And that's what has made it difficult to find kind of a player – comparison for Nicholas Harbor. We've had Vernon Davis on there. We've had Kyle Pitts on there. I tossed out in our scouting group chat and you guys all made fun of me like Megatron. Um, all those guys are really good at winning 50-50 footballs. Nicholas Harbor is not a natural pass catcher right now. Now he's got a big a big web, big catch radius, um, but it's not something that he excels at. Like That is not a strength for him. But if he can improve and continue to improve over the next few years working with sec caliber coaches then i think he can be an x factor in the slot again his ability to stack defensive backs safeties cornerbacks uh for someone his size is is very very rare very very unique we got a taste of it at the under armor all america game um and i keep repeating this but i mean the defensive backs you're kind of standing by them in their line and they're just they were in shock about trying to just cover Nicholas Harbor. And he blew past kids that are, are sub-11 kids in the 100-meter dash, like Dalen Austin, who's who's headed to Oregon. I mean, Harbor made easy work of him. So he's a special talent. A few other things I want to point out. 
with the addition for the Gamecocks. I mean, number 16 recruiting class. Everyone on the show yesterday was saying it was their best ever. I think it's like I think it's their best ever since 2012. But maybe I'm wrong on that department. Uh, we really like the group. We went in depth on it. Um, South Carolina with Shane Beamer there. Shane Beamer's got a, a background in tight ends. I, I think a lot of people didn't know that or, or wouldn't associate him with that. Maybe that was a little bit of the selling point. Uh, and then this, the Gamecocks had a first-round tight end a few few years ago, and Hayden Hurst, who's making a name for himself in the, in the NFL. So I like it. Um, South Carolina, you know, they, they also signed two other tight ends in this 2023 recruiting class. I think both of them, those guys that they brought in are, are blockers, Connor Cox from uh, Florida, and then Reed Masaka. I think that's how you say it. McKeska. Okay, they flipped it from flipped him from – Texas, both those guys can be your your inline guys, and then you let Harbor patrol the outside. So, uh, I think if if you're a South Carolina fan, you're like man, this has been quite quite the few months after beating Tennessee and and beating Clemson. You and I were talking about it before the show, but it, it's the first time I've ever seen a school add a five star talent like a Nicholas Harbor and not jump up in the recruiting rankings. <laughs> I know. I mean, I I had to go back and like double check, and I was kind of curious. I was waiting for you to to get on the call. I'm like, is something wrong here? Like, do we need to call somebody with tech? You know, but that seemed to be there's a big gap between Texas A&M and and South Carolina. So it just goes to show there are there are different tiers in in terms of the recruiting rankings, even if they're stacked consecutively. Lastly, on on South Carolina, Andrew. Year one, I think Shane Beamer surprised a lot of people with a seven-win season and a postseason victory over North Carolina. Year two, two top ten wins at the end of the season between Tennessee and Clemson. Clemson one that I think is – we're going to look back on that one and say, okay, like if there was a jumping-off point for Shane Beamer and company, I think that one was it in terms of building blocks and what they've been able to – as they've been able to sustain momentum as well. Um, expectations for next year on the field. You know, Spencer Rattler's coming back. They feel confident about the group they have coming back. They had a couple guys enter the portal that I think were a little bit of a surprise to some people. But you look at the first six games of the season, you take out Furman week two. Here are the opponents. North Carolina traveled to Athens. Mississippi State at home traveled to Knoxville. And then Florida at home. I mean, that's a that's a difficult stretch there through the first six games of the season. You wonder, like, all right, now for this South Carolina fan base that they, they've now seen the success on the field, it's going to be a different level of expectations than this program has had in recent history. I agree with you. What instantly jumps to my mind, though, is out of those schools you listed, Drake May is really the only quarterback. That would kind of scare me. I mean, I'm a Joe Milton guy. I know you're a Joe Milton guy. You recruited him when you were at Michigan. Um, but Florida, we still don't know. That's a question mark. Stetson Bennett is no longer in Athens. That'll probably be, what, Carson Beck, who would be making his first SEC start. It will be at home, though. And then I, I don't even know the quarterback situation right now at Mississippi State. So that's that's all I'll say. But I I, I think you're right. That is That is a great point. I'm just I'm just curious, you know, because at times this year it felt like South Carolina's fan base. It's like, what 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 are you expecting out of Shane Beamer in South Carolina in year two? 
like at times it felt that way. And it's like, all right, th these guys are ready to be legit contender amongst the SEC East. And it's like, it's not the case. He's still building here. Now, year three, it's a little bit different, especially with wins over Tennessee last year. And then a win over over Dabo Sweeney and, and Clemson. So I think that is going to be fascinating to, to see South Carolina with a little bit of weight, the weight of expectations this year, and kind of see how that plays out. And can they continue to trend in the right direction? I mean, the, I don't think people really understand this, understand this going from number 24 to number 16 in the recruiting rankings. That's a big jump. And, and people look at it and say, oh, that's not really sizable. That is sizable. We just talked about it, right? The difference between 15 and 16 in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. That's a huge jump for South Carolina. Can they make that next jump again next year, maybe work into the, the top 12 or 13 i think that's another question but if you're south carolina like this is where you want to be floating around i would say so like in terms of recruiting expectations now that you got it going on the field a little bit i think it makes sense so any final thoughts on on shane beamer in south carolina andrew well i think we both predicted harvard oregon on the on the tuesday podcast with fong so our, our what first was that three oysters yeah our first predictions are not looking too hot. That's all right. Get it out the way early. And credit credit to South Carolina. Last thing I'll say on this is that, you know, you and I thought the, the, the fit at Oregon just made too much sense. Michigan had an angle. Maryland had an angle. Oregon had an angle. And the program that won out really didn't have a natural path to victory. Goes to show you how much sweat equity, relationships, all that type of stuff's stuff matters, especially in today's age. So, all right, Andrew, let's move on. Another team that I, I would say kind of flew under the radar. It's, you know, like Tuesday night and Wednesday morning were just direct opposites of each other. I went to bed thinking Nicholas Harbor was going to Oregon. I also put my head on my pillow thinking that Jaden Rashado was going to end up playing his football for Sonny Dykes, and it was just the opposite. Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State, first-year head coach, formerly offensive coordinator at Oregon, they come through. And I think people have fatigue with this recruitment. So there's not as much interest in it outside of the Arizona State fan base. I think for, for us in large part, it was like, all right, just just let us know when this is over, right? When the, when the ink dries. And the ink is dry. Jaden Rashada is going to play his football at Arizona State. I did not think he could go wrong with either of these picks. We said that we both felt TCU was the better landing spot for him. But we were, I almost felt there like it was like a 60 40 thing, right? Like you, you could have gone either way with it. But I think this makes sense. And then you throw in, I thought you made a really good point. Drew Pine coming over from Notre Dame. He now walks into a situation in Jaden Rashada where he can be patient and develop organically at Arizona State. And there's not going to be these immediate expectations attached to him. So I, I do like the fit in that regard and, and the success that Kelly, Kenny Dillingham had with Bo Nix this past year is hard, hard to overlook as well. I think it's a great landing spot for Jaden Rashada. I do think everyone's fatigued from this. Jaden's business has been all over the news. I kept saying, or I said it multiple times on the show, when you talk about Nico Iamalieva, Blair Angulo was working on me with that. Um, all, 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 all Tuesday and Wednesday, pronouncing that last name. Um, 
he was the NIL guy. Now everyone just points to Jaden Rashad, and I've I've tabbed him as the Maurice Claret uh, of this era. He's kind of the first guy where um, he I don't want to say challenged the system, but you know he, he's the one that's in the headlines, and it, it makes sense. I, I wanted to see him at TCU. I thought that would have been a fun, exciting fit just with the Big 12 changing here at this upcoming season. UCF Houston headed in, um, schools leaving, all, all that stuff. So I, I was fired up about uh, about that. But his dad played at Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham was recruiting him to Oregon, uh, never stopped recruiting him. Um, I, I do like it with Drew, Drew Pine there. And if you take a look at this from an NFL perspective, right, if you're an NFL front office, maybe not if you have the first or the second pick, but if you take a first-round quarterback somewhere in that 32 towards the tail end, what, what do they normally do? They bring in a veteran to kind of bridge the gap. That way you're not forcing that that rookie onto the field. I think Drew Pine is that bridge quarterback. Played a lot of football at Notre Dame, won some games at Notre Dame, lost some games at Notre Dame. Perfect situation, I think, if you're Arizona State. It has been a revolving door under center in recent seasons. Now you enter 2023 with Dillingham in his first season, right? Everyone is expecting Drew Pine to be the guy. You play him for some games. Hey, maybe Jaden Rashada, who is the oldest quarterback in our top 247 for the class of 2023. He's an older kid. Maybe he's ready to go later in the season. Maybe you guys aren't concerned about winning X amount of games, right? You just want to look towards the future. Then you get Jaden Rashada into the mix. So I like it from that that standpoint. I think I told you privately, Cooper, you know, I was a little worried about Rashada and, and him headed to, to Florida because I've seen that Gator Nation fan base. I mean, if you if you say the wrong thing or, you know, you, you do something they don't like, they're quick to pounce. And I, I didn't know if if Rashada was going to be ready for that between the ears, year one, year two on campus. So I, I like the fit. Um, happy he found a landing spot. And, and I will point out, and this is, I'm not throwing a, a Patagon flag here, but I don't think he actually signed. Uh, Brandon Huffman said that on the show. He's just going to enroll. I don't know. I don't think you can sign a second LOI or something like that, but he is going to Arizona State. He announced it. Okay. Makes sense. So a little bit of a formality there, but no, I mean, it's, I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't want you to get clipped. What if he like flips to someone else at some point down the line? That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Well, what I like for Kenny Dillingham in this situation is that you appear to have your short term and your long term plan at the game's most important position secured. And now what that allows you to do is build the roster around those two arms, both short-term and long-term. So Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State, that's one of the first things that you got to get done. Kudos to them. That was a big one. They kind of stayed persistent throughout this recruitment, and sometimes good things fall into your lap, which is the case with Jaden Rashada. I think the best chance for Jaden Rashada to be successful in all of this, and we talk about, hey, sometimes things just work out the way they're supposed to be was either going to Arizona State or TCU. I like that fit better for him than going to a Florida or Miami. So we'll see what happens with Jaden Rashada. Drew, a, another team making some some headlines in, in the Pac-12 as long as they're still in it, USC. And we didn't really talk about this guy that much, but I, they pick up the addition of tight end in, in top 247 standout Walker Lions. And this was a guy I really liked in the process from, from Folsom – in Northern California and in, in, in Sacramento and H-back, he kind of reminded me of another guy from the same high school that we had at the University of Cincinnati, Josiah Degara, 
who's playing for the Green Bay Packers and was a guy that I think was a, a mid-round draft pick just a few years ago. But, you know, we'll see what happens with the number one tight end in the country and, and, and Deuce Robinson. We're going to talk about him in a minute. Um, but this is not just something to gloss over if you're a USC fan or, or somebody nationally. There are a lot of teams after Walker Lions, Todd Hartley, Georgia being one of them. Uh, Utah as well, formerly committed to Stanford. I would say all three of those teams have a very good reputation in terms of being able to develop that position. So for USC, which is still, I would say, still trying to find their way with that position, I thought that was a big, big pickup for them. I agree. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, you got tagged on the USC board over the weekend. That was fun to read through. A lot of, a lot of nice comments towards us. My favorite was someone was like, is this a Yelp review? of our rankings because they didn't really ask a question they just kind of blasted us there for a good solid uh five pages but i i like usc's class right i, I like it and now you're throwing in this blue chip pass catching tight end who is going to take a a mission he's going to be gone for two years he's going to come back um and be ready to go i think in 2024 is is when he'll be ready to go uh but now let's look at usc's potential offense malachi nelson at quarterback you got Zachariah Branch at wide receiver, Makai Lemon at wide receiver, uh, Jacoby Lane's also committed at wide receiver, and then Quentin Joyner, the running back from Texas, who was a monster addition for them. Really liked what we saw out of him at the Polynesian Bowl. Um, so, what am I saying? We keep talking about the skill talent that Ohio State brought in with the three receivers and Jelani Thurman. Well, now that Walker Lines is headed to USC, I think this this group is on par with that Ohio state group. And that's important because remember USC is headed to the big 10. You're going to need to play a little bit more physical football. You might need to bring your tight end and attach him and motion him and have him chip a big edge rusher. Uh, so a huge, huge pickup um, kind of caught me off guard. I know USC was in the mix, but it was, it, it, I, I mean, I, I thought maybe Georgia, I wasn't going to rule, rule out Todd Hartley. Now I want to know what happens with Deuce Robinson, not Deuce Harbor. Um, because he didn't sign, like we said, it sounds like, and this is me speculating, but I think I'm, I'm pretty spot on right here. You know, Deuce is a legitimate first round talent. I think he's got a lot of uh, baseball talent. I think he's got a lot of numbers being thrown at him right now. So imagine if you're his camp, right? You got these ML MLB organizations trying to slot what they're going to give him. You probably have these collectives and, and NIL deals at all these schools, and they're trying to match numbers. Like I would ride this thing out as long as I could. Uh, and the MLB drafts not till, till July 7th. But talking with Blair and Gulo uh, on set yesterday, he said that Deuce and, and Walker have talked about playing together. So now imagine if USC, Lincoln Riley, with that offensive skill group already, is able to add it. Deuce Robinson, who's a, a little bit different player than Walker Lyons. I mean, that would be uh, quite the potential offensive lineup. I don't know if we ever see Deuce Robinson like fully committed to football. Okay. All right. So, reading the asked, reading the tea leaves with this, if, if you're asked, willing to to put this off, in in you know, he worked out for the L.A. Dodgers with you know a handful of other prospects, about a dozen of them, early January, and we're talking about this guy at his height, his frame, six foot six, and the things that are being said about him potentially being a round one draft pick 
in the MLB draft. Now, I think some things need to come together there, but in terms of the physical tools, he certainly has that. To me, like the, the guaranteed money there, and if he's serious about that sport, how we talk about Nicholas Harbor in track and field, I I don't know. Like we, we haven't seen that. Like who's a good example of someone before Deuce Robinson that's made both of them work? There We've isn't a, one. <laughs> there isn't one, which is my point, right? So if if baseball is some to me, baseball seems like the first love. And he's very natural at football and it's in his blood too. But if this baseball deal is real, which I believe it is, I I just wouldn't be shocked if that's where his future is. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off or, or get all excited there. Uh, but I think Steve was asked that at some point on Wednesday. And like, hey, could you not see see this guy not playing football? And he kind of danced around it. Like, I'm I'm 100% with you. Like, I could see him just playing baseball. And I keep bringing up Jay Allen, the Elite 11 quarterback from two years ago, who was committed to play baseball at Florida. Some some Power 5 programs were looking at him to, to play quarterback for them. He went in the 30th round and got $2.4 million guaranteed. Um, you know, like if Deuce Robinson goes 15, what's he getting slotted at? Can, can a, can an NIL group match that for a potential? I mean, let's look at his finalists right now. USC's already just got, just got a tight end. Georgia's already got two tight end tight ends in their classes. Like at some point there's, there's a salary, a salary well, let's, cap. Let's, let's play devil's advocate and, and you and I for our, the first time on this show, let's put ourselves in the position of an executive on the MLB side. If I'm going to invest round one draft capital in a prospect, especially at 18 years old, and he's six foot six, and he has all the physical traits, there is no way that I am comfortable with him playing power five football. Agree 100%. Abs absolutely not. I mean, think, think of the injury liability there. So as soon as that money gets put on the table from the MLB, that discussion is going to be had. Hey, take it or leave it. There is no, there is no future for you in college football. Oh, it's and like I think we're living in fantasy land right now with Deuce Robinson saying that he can do both of these. And in my mind, he's going to have to sit down at the end of the day and say, Hey, I, I just have to commit to one. And the one, the sorry, the one that offers the most upside for him, short term and long term, in my mind is baseball. Yeah, think safer, safer. Well, and then think about soft cap versus hard cap, right? In the MLB and in the NFL, you got a guy like Aaron Judge, who's what next contract is going to be three hundred million dollars plus. Yeah, versus you know guys like Jimmy Graham have to go to arbitration with the NFL PA in the NFL to prove whether or not he is a receiver or a tight end to get paid the type of money that he feels like he should be valued at. I mean, if that's my son, that decision's relatively easy for me. You're going to play baseball. I agree with you. I, 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 I don't know what I was going to say. I had a thought. <laughs> I lost it. But now, now we're going to off-road here because I, I also – made this comment at some point during the signing day show. And I think a little people, some people were surprised. Uh, Brock Purdy came up and I said, there's going to be some quarterbacks playing college football next season that are making more in a year 
than Brock Purdy is. And that caught a lot of people off guard. Remember, he's Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, would you agree with me? I mean, I putting you on the spot here, but I think the answer is yes. There's probably going to be a few quarterbacks making more than Brock Purdy at the college level. I would say so. How much How much is Brock Purdy making right now? Do we know his, his current contract? I'm looking it up right now. Great podcasting right here. <laughs> yeah, he's making less. He's making right under a mil a year. I would say that's probably the probably right around the same. If I had to guess, yeah. You know, last year we heard from a, a Power Five head coach that that number was five hundred thousand dollars. I would imagine there's a school out there that that was willing to go get their guy and, and pay close to close to that value. So. I wouldn't be shocked either way, but I, I don't think they're too far off. You know, you're probably hundred, two hundred thousand dollars off would be my guess. You know, um, so interesting. All right, is that enough Deuce Robinson talk for us? <laughs> yeah, it's probably the way in the weeds on, on Deuce. Well, Robinson. I enjoy it because I, I don't think anybody's like it. Just it doesn't seem real to me. Like it doesn't seem like reality. You know, and I think it's a delicate dance for Georgia and USC because they want to appease him. But like when push comes to shove, he's he's going to have to make a really difficult decision about where he wants to commit in terms of his future, whether that's going to be baseball or football. So we'll see what happens there. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, Drew, two, uh, two teams in the Magnolia State that I think kind of caught your attention flying under the radar a little bit, but Ole Miss, Mississippi State. A couple of late additions for them on the defensive side of the ball uh, and a couple guys that you wanted to talk about. Why don't we start with Ole Miss and, and start with DJ Holmes and, and Chamberlain Campbell. I believe both of them from the state of Florida, right? Yeah. And, and two guys that kind of piqued your interest a little bit. Well, I was trying to find some – underlying storylines heading into to signing day and you start asking around and Ole Miss was trying to I thought they might have a, a sneaky sneaky good day and there wasn't a lot of schools at, at the power five level that added multiple commitments but Ole Miss was one of them DJ Holmes uh Campbell Chamberlain Campbell the other kid I always mess up his name Chamberlain Chamberlain Campbell um they're they're two of the more Interesting, I think, case studies for pass rushers here. They could not be more complete opposites. Uh, DJ Holmes sawed off. You know, we don't have a measure, a verified measurement on him. Plays out at, at Pahokee High School, straight up in the muck. Um, has reported all types of different offers. Never went to any camps, though. I don't know how many visits he went on to. 
Um, so he's from that 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 Bell Glade area, uh, and Lane Kiffin has has had some success there. So he goes back to the old well, gets DJ Holmes, who is probably going to have to be a stand up linebacker. If you're going to be short, right, you're going to be on the shorter side, lack the length. You got to get home, uh, and DJ Holmes does just that. I think he had what 50, 54 sacks the past two seasons, eighty quarterback hurries. Um, those aren't verified stats. I don't know who's he, doing the stats. <laughs> he kind of he kind of reminded me of a of a poor man's Chiquavius Russo. Yeah, like in terms of play style. Well, he, I thought high motor, high floor. Like I, you know, like if you're looking to fill out your 85 and say, hey, we need a a warm body here that could could give us some special teams value and provide quality depth. Like I really like this take. Yeah, I, I will say this, Cooper, and want to know your your thought on it. You know, like every coach I know that recruits South Florida went and saw him at some point in the spring or the fall <laughs> and no one ever tripped him. So like to me, I like that's just an interesting way to think about it. Like I think everyone likes him. But then when you go back and you report to the boss and they're like, all right, how big is he? You know, that's that's kind of hard to push. So, I don't know. And I have no additional context on on this recruitment but sometimes when that happens there's there's a blemish there that's maybe not even a on-field blemish right yeah. or, or or a physical trait like it it could be academic yeah it could be it could be something something else right so and maybe maybe Ole Miss out of all those programs is is willing to say hey we'll, we'll take a flyer on this and that's purely speculation and and no disrespect to to DJ Holmes there, but no, um, no. One one I'll be tracking. Um, Chamberlain on the other side, he is six five and change, two hundred and fifteen pounds. A former basketball kid that only played football for one year. Guy, we might regret not having higher in the rankings. Um, you you put on the tape, you can definitely see the upside. Had a ton of conversations with with different college contacts throughout the process, so. Uh, I like him as well. Miami was interested at one point. FSU was interested at one point. He's headed to Ole Miss. I, I just like these two two additions for the Rebels. They signed a, a really small class. We talked about it on Wednesday in the podcast, how we liked it. Uh, they're rolling the dice on these two in, in an era where there's no counters. You can you can get a little creative and, 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 and try to squeeze some guys in there and, and hopefully hit a home run. Chamberlain Campbell might be – he could end up – developing into the the grim reaper watching him this morning i mean six five and a half 210 pounds what i mean by that is like i wouldn't be surprised three to four years from now if he he, he puts some weight on and it's like one of those guys like where'd he come from you know it's kind of like it's kind of like cam james who signed with florida he's a little he's a little stiff you know his his movement abilities are raw but he's got a motor and he's got some athletic clay to work with so Pete Golding, Lane Kiffin, and crew must have liked something there. All right, Drew, in, in Starkville, Zach Arnett taking over a very difficult situation in the wake of, of, of Mike Leach. And, you know, they signed two guys. One of them I got to see in Mobile at the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game at Will James, formerly committed to Southern Miss, and he turned a lot of heads there. He had a really good week. I think it was banged up a little bit throughout his year, his senior year, which kind of maybe slowed down his recruitment, but he finds a spot. I think he had Auburn circled uh, as a potential suitor for him. Mississippi State comes in at the end of the day. I, it's a really good late addition. And then you and I kind of 
really like this Jonathan Davis kid yeah. who kind of emerged late. Big body in the middle. Um, I thought that was a really good pickup. And I mean, one of those guys, I think, uh, you know, it got passed on to us by a publisher. And, you know, you're typically like, all right, yeah, what, what are we, you know, what are we, what do we got here? And then you turn on the tape, you're like, okay, I see it. And I think he picked up Mississippi State, Ole Miss, could be wrong there, Texas, right? Uh, no, late off. Yeah, Texas was sniffing the tires, and Ole Miss, I think, thought they were going to get Jonathan Davis. And so that, that would have been the third pass rusher for them. But you, you said it, Zach Arnett, he's retooling that staff. Um, they add him. Uh, so it was a nice little egg bowl victory. But but Jonathan Davis, we, we talk about you know trying to hit a home run or or just, just taking a flyer on the two pass rushers for um, Ole Miss, th those are the exterior perimeter players. Jonathan Davis is a straight-up interior guy, uh, and he's got the measurables. So there we go. Nice little uh, underlying storylines. How long did it take you to, like, find that? <laughs> I got contacts, bro. I got contacts. All right, he's got I, contacts. I, well, you, like, Steve, like, is just so – well, just, you know, dominates the big storylines, and, like, I add color on that stuff, but – I always like to prepare because you always get put in these situations where they're just like talk and it's like, all right, about what? Right. Uh, I, I did the SEC superlatives yesterday and I did it after you guys talked for an hour about the SEC and I got on there. I'm like, what do you want me to regurgitate here? <laughs> yeah. Steve already talked about everything. He touched on everything. Isaac Smith. He's like, Hey, I really like this guy. I'm like, Goodness gracious, like an encyclopedia just emptying the emptying the clip on there. And he just and reads like, he just reads every note that's on the profile. It's like, well, that's what I, you know, that, that was my notes that I actually put there for <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it's a big day for Steve. Big day. All right, Drew, let's let's move on. Let's go to the uh let's go to the Big Ten and a guy that you and I really like, Chim Diono. And Steve was on this show earlier in the week and he was talking about the battle there between Penn State, Michigan State. Like Ole Miss was in there. Ole Miss was in, in, in the thick of it. and One-time Old Dominion commit. Let's, let's point one out. One-time Old Dominion, Ricky Ronnie. And, um, you know, you look at Penn State, what they've done on the offensive line, I don't think that gets talked about enough. Javen Williams, five-star from Pennsylvania. Alex Berkmeyer from Virginia, one of the best interior linemen in the country. You also got Anthony Donka as well. And then you add in Chimdiono. To me, like Penn State, I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but God, they're so intriguing. You know, between the two backs, Singleton and Allen. And then you got the wild card with the upside and Drew Aller, right? And then you look at the tight end position, what they've typically been able to, to do with that position in the past. And then if they hit on these offensive linemen, I mean, like every aspect, I haven't really touched on the receiver position. Carmelo Taylor was a guy that we were high on in our process. But, man, I really like – like we don't talk about them enough because I think they're right outside of the top ten. But the last two years, what they've done, I've been a huge fan of. I agree. Uh, Jevin Williams, Pennsylvania record holder in the shot put. Uh, Chimney Ono, Maryland defending state champ in the discus and shot put. Man, that track team in state college is going to be looking pretty good. Whoever the, whoever the track coach is, is like, yes, not having to use any scholarships on this. Um, no, I, big pickup. I, I, I wrote this one down because 
I think everyone I talk to on in our in, in our realm has a different opinion on who has the top offensive line class in the country. I think me and you are in the LSU camp. I think a case could be made for Alabama. I think Georgia, maybe if you wanted to talk that up with Bo Hewley and Monroe Freeling. But now, I mean, at Penn State, Phil Trotwine, the the O line coach there, worked at Davidson alongside one of my one of my buddies. Uh, f- played at Florida. I remember when he was a a Gator. Um, solid group for him. Like this this is this is the group that keeps Drew Aller happy, Nick Singleton happy, um, and Katron Allen. Like they're gonna be able to do a bunch of things. They kept Manny Diaz as the defensive coordinator. I, you know, I want to see what they look like. Maybe not in twenty twenty three, but but twenty twenty four could be the year to secure that uh, Penn State future. I mean, they got some they got some high upside talent. And if it hits and if it matures and, and develops, they got a they got a college football playoff caliber roster in my mind. They can make some noise. So love that addition for for Penn State. Drew, another guy I'm not as familiar with, but Jamel Howard. A lot of teams were were sniffing around. He ends up declaring and, and, and signing with Luke Fickle in Wisconsin, a big get, I believe out of the state of Illinois, correct? Yeah, one so, time, one time, Wisconsin commit opened it back up. He's from Marist there in Chicago. I'll say this about Luke Fickle: like he can recruit Illinois now. Like you, you put him in in the Midwest. I think he he's got as good as a reputation as anybody, especially developmental track record. Miami charged late for Jamel Howard. What do you think about this kid? I wrote it down because it was more of I think the statement from. Luke Fickle, Jamel Howard, like we said, opened things back up when there was the coaching change there in Madison, uh, took an official visit in December to Michigan with, with Jim Harbaugh there, who back-to-back uh, college football playoff appearances. Then in January, every every year we see this, right? You know, you're a point of attack player. You wait till the end of the process. You're going to get that five-star treatment regardless. Uh, e- even if you have three stars next to your name, everyone wants you. So Jamel Howard, takes officials to Illinois, which just had, what, the nation's number three overall defense or something like that. Um, excellent unit. It maybe it might have been top in the in the Big Ten. Uh, I'm shooting from the hips here. I, I wrote it down in my notes, but those are somewhere in my briefcase. Uh, takes a trip to LSU. You know, five pass rushers drafted over the past three years there. Everyone knows what they can do. And then takes an official visit to Miami. Um, you work for Mario Cristobal. You know how Mario is going to do whatever he can uh, to add someone at the end at, at, and pull off a surprise. But Fickle's the guy that wins out. So I think if you're a Wisconsin fan, you got to be feeling good about what Fickle has been able to do in, in two short months. He's he's won a few recruiting battles. Um, I, I like some of uh, of the, the, the guys in that class. I know it's ranked 58th, but I, I do think there are some gems in there. Amari Snowden, cornerback, Jonas DeClona cornerback we saw in San Antonio like those two guys um and then what they did in the transfer portal I was talking to Steve Wiltfong about this you know they added a ton of quarterbacks I think it was, was it three quarterbacks via the portal yeah Nick Evers uh Tanner Mordecai and then Braden Locke I think we said on preps to pros back in the day that I thought Wisconsin had one of the worst quarterback outlooks in the country so he has quickly self-corrected that uh, and brought some talent there to Madison. I love that for him, uh, like from a from a competitive standpoint, you know. Um, I mean, you just don't see it. We, we've seen Ole Miss do that, and 
I mean, I'd be curious, like, what was the what was the pitch? Like, how, how was Lane Kiffin able to get three guys in there? Uh, you know, three three legitimate guys in, in terms of Kiffin brought two in, right? Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard. And yeah. then Jackson Dart, you know, he, he's going to compete, right? And then you look at Wisconsin. It's Nick they Evers, were. a former top 247 recruit, right, from Elite, Oklahoma. Elite 11 finalist. Tanner Mordecai, who was your more established option. And then Braden Locke, who's kind of the, the tweener between those two, right? Yeah. Has a little Lo- bit of loved him. Loved him coming out. Just gunslinger. So they, they, they're bringing in a little bit of everything. But if you're Wisconsin, I'm like, that's what Luke Fickle is going to build his program around. It's going to be competition at every level. And I think that's more of a statement from him saying, we haven't been good enough at this position. This is not promised to anybody. And whoever is the best option to lead us to wins at the end of the day is going to get the nod. You know, so they also they also signed a high school quarterback out of Colorado and have like a 2024 committed from Texas. There you go. It's one way to do it, man. One way to do it. All right, Drew, the, at the buzzer here, Marcus Stokes. He lands at the University of West, West Florida. If you don't know anything about Marcus Stokes, former top 247 quarterback out of Nice High School in the Sunshine State, was formerly committed to Penn State. Flipped to Billy Napier in Florida. Had some off-field issues I'm not going to get into here, but basically became somewhat of an untouchable, right? And we saw teams really not even at the FBS level. Andrew, I think you can verify this for me, but it it seemed like he had little to zero interest uh, from anybody uh, at the FBS. He, I mean, a lot of a lot of people inquired through me about Marcus Stokes. A lot of different different kind of group of five programs. I think everyone was interested, but once you ran it up the chain, you know, it was like a no, no way. It's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's we'll not- call it we'll call it a opportunity cost, right? And I'm not I'm not taking a shot at Marcus Stokes, but say you're sitting in that war room, right? And you understand Marcus Stokes and his situation and you're a power five head coach or you're a group of five head coach. Obviously some of these guys more distinguished than others, but you're saying, okay, here's some, here's some guys, here's a guy with who's made headlines for the wrong reasons recently. And then you look at the film and you say, okay, I really like the talent. And then you go back and, you look at his senior year and you're looking at a guy that completed 55%, just under 55% of his passing attempts and had 13 touchdowns and 11 INTs. And Andrew, you have long been a proponent of his. I, I know you truly believe in his talent and his skill set, and there's a lot to like there. So do I. Um, but when you're sitting there having that conversation and let's say – you know, I, I'm a decision maker in that room or I'm I'm an advisor to the head coach. I can tell you personally, if I was doing what I used to do, I'd have a hard time saying, Hey, this is this is the right move. To me, it just it opportunity cost, it doesn't it doesn't shake out. It's an unfortunate situation, you know, like he he uh he's gonna have to re rehab the image and I think West Florida is not the end of the world for him. You know, I've, I've talked to his dad and there was some schools that reached out. They were talking about 
potentially visiting Alabama A&M at one point, but Stokes took a midweek visit to, to West Florida, which won a D2 national title two years ago. That's a school that uh, served as a stopping point for Austin Reed, who was, I think, getting some NFL looks, was a guy that entered the portal, had a ton of interest, decided to remain at Western Kentucky. I think he's going to be a popular name this time next year, or, or he could be in one of these Shrine Bowls or maybe even the Senior Bowl. We'll see what happens with him. So uh, with the transfer portal, you can move up, you can move down. Um, I'll be following Marcus's career, just just to kind of keep an eye on it. I agree with everything you said, Cooper. Uh, you you talked about it when we were we were doing some rankings, right? And with red flags, like at some point, you know, the, the talent will, will be like, hey, you got to select this guy, or I, I don't know what exactly you said, but Marcus Stokes, he's moved himself down the list not only with with that video that came out, but you're right, he didn't have the best of senior seasons. Um, but he still does have a live arm, and he's a gamer. Glad he's got an opportunity, like you said, to to rectify his image. Uh, and you know, for him, he, similar to Jaden Rashad, I think now he can put this behind him and just focus on on playing football. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the twenty four seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Drew, Alex Golesh, former offense coordinator, at Tennessee, a guy that you have long, long been an advocate and a fan of. He is now the head coach at South Florida. And you kind of slipped this in at the, to the back end of the rundown. Yeah, at the, at the buzzer. But they added Israel Carter, quarterback from Centennial in California. I turned on the tape and I'm like, okay, I get this. This makes sense. And I, it's pretty fascinating. I don't, I don't have a ton of background on the kid, but I mean, live arm playmaker on the ground as well can improvise and and just you try to fit that into what Tennessee did under Golesh there the last two years you're like I think this kind of makes sense yeah no he was Israel Carter uh was committed to Arizona State didn't sign early once once they made the coaching change and USF was searching everywhere for a quarterback and to me I think just the fact that Israeli Carter's headed to essentially across the country to play for 
Galesh says a lot. We know Galesh's offense. Like this is the guy he settled on, and I know it wasn't he didn't have his full pick of the litter. Um, but Cooper, me and you grind the tape. Like when I did my my audit of the 2023 quarterbacks, I was like, hey, this kid it, like excites me. He can run the football. I think he's got a clip on there where he like hurdles a defender uh, on his senior senior cut. Um, but That's USF first plays. Yeah, right. He, he like just jumps over someone. It's like, oh, okay. Um, so this is the only podcast out here that's probably going to be talking about a little USF after signing day. But I, I do think they did some they did some good things. And like, you know, one of my buddies going to his wedding next weekend, he's a USF supporter, booster. Uh, they're fired up and, and they're building a new uh, talks of on-campus on stadium. And, you know, Jeff Scott didn't work out there. Uh, I want to see what Alex, Alex Galesh is able to do because I've heard from a lot of college coaches excuse me, high school coaches that went by for their junior days and they're like, hey, keep an eye on what he's he's doing. And I think what Galesh is, he, he's being smart, right? He's bringing in all these big IMG kids and he's bringing in all the blue chippers, getting them on campus. And I think he's positioning himself where he's not trying to win the recruiting battle on the front end, meaning right away. But as soon as those, as those kids enter the transfer portal, hey, you already saw our, our USF facilities come here and transfer here. So one to keep an eye on, and if you play like a uh, uh, college fantasy football, you know, stash Israeli Carter on the roster because we like him. Yeah, he's playing long ball. You know, a little bit of chess. I think we um, we talked about it. We thought, gosh, you and handful of other people, but I feel like I, I can't even remember what show we talked about it on this week. But we talked about the importance of having players on campus with the intention of even if you know you finish second or third, those visits still had merit to them in high school because you build a relationship. And now with the, the volume of players we're seeing in the transfer portal, somebody like Alex Golesh, if he can create the same type of excitement that he did offensively in Knoxville, that's going to be a very enticing option for a lot of for a lot of players that, hey, maybe it didn't shake out at the Power Five. But this is a place that I know I can plug and play. And I'm also – I'm also going to get a lot of exposure at a place like South Florida. Um, so I thought that was a fascinating hire. I didn't, I, I did not think they were going to go in, in that type of direction and they kind of almost not. went the same blueprint, right? Uh, it, you normally you do the complete opposite of what you did last time around and they went and they got an offensive mind. Uh, I don't think in uh, this is off-roading right here. Uh, this is I, Jeff Scott did not call plays at Clemson. Did he? You know, I was talking with Steve about this the other day. It's kind of hard to like you and I had this conversation about Golesh. But Golesh, it said in his bio on the Tennessee football website. And I and I and I did some plays. homework on that, that he was very involved in the play calling. Like was, well, okay, was somebody that was heavily relied upon during the week. It's, but some it's, guys have like listen, I, I I'm just telling you, some guys have titles. These agents are very good at what they do. You know, and some sometimes, I mean, it's a little bit of like smoke and mirrors, but guys are passing game coordinators and they don't do anything. Yeah. You know, I've been around guys with really great titles and I'm like, what the hell? That doesn't make sense at all. What do you even do? You don't do anything. <laughs> Just yell. You know, if there's other people doing your job for you, but I'm not sure what you do, but you got a cool title. You know, so there are guys like that. And I'm not saying go less. Who was the other guy we're talking? Jeff Scott. Well, I think had a, had a had a little bit more to do with you know they had an elite receiver room 
with him but at Clemson. Bottom line is normally you do the complete opposite, right? You bring in this offensive coach, it doesn't work out. You're going to go try to find like a defensive guy, all right? You bring in an unproven coordinator. You're going to go try to find stability with like a, 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 a head coach of some sorts, like a retread. USF just essentially is like, hey, we're running it back, just different different lineup. I agree. I agree. Hey, I want to I want to end the show on some news that that came out. Uh, Chris Lowe, who works at ESPN, shared it earlier today. But reports of now confirmed reports of Notre Dame offense coordinator Tommy Reese will go to meet with Nick Saban in the Empire in Tuscaloosa. And I want to get your thoughts on this because I got some thoughts myself. I did. I did get off the plane and I saw those reports, and I was like, "All right, I this. Why didn't I think of this potential marriage between the two earlier?" Um, and I do not personally know Tommy Reese. Um, I have listened to a lot of his stuff. You know, familiar with his work. I did listen to a podcast this time last year. Uh, Tommy Reese was on the Ryan Rosillo show, and. I, I mean, search it in, in, in Apple Podcasts if you can. But Tommy Reese talks about he was with Brian Kelly uh, the day after they played USC, stayed in L.A., played golf with Brian Kelly. And with some boosters, they went to dinner. Uh, they were supposed to go on recruiting visits. And Brian Kelly just took the LSU job. And Tommy Reese said it, you know, breaks the whole situation down. Um, talks about him and, and, and you know, how the process played out where because Marcus Freeman was already there and Freeman was the guy that got the job. I always felt like it was an awkward marriage between those two in terms of, you know, you're both on staff. One guy gets promoted. Um, you know, did Reese want that job? And I, I know I'm rambling here, but it, it was fascinating to me. And I've always thought since listening to that podcast, like I didn't, I didn't, I don't know how long Reese and Freeman are going to be together. So, you know, I, it's interesting. Like the Saban search has been all over the place. Um, and, and if you were to take the Alabama job, that's going to shake some things up. CJ Carr is committed to, to Notre Dame. You know, what happens with him? He's the big time 2024 quarterback. I think he's just outside our top 32. Uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Carr's grandson. Remember Michigan's looking for a quarterback right now. <laughs> Does that impact the Jaden Davis recruitment? Uh, me and you have some thoughts on the current Alabama quarterbacks in the group they brought in in recent years. I think Tommy Reese could help um, stabilize that situation. So, I, yeah, a uh, lot to digest. I, I want to hear what you think. I agree with everything you said about Tommy Reese and, and Marcus Freeman. I, I think Marcus Freeman, you know, in my mind, Tommy Reese relays that news that he's got an opportunity to, to go interview with Alabama. And I think Marcus Freeman, in his mind, has already been prepared for not this exact scenario, but maybe has an idea of where he wants to go post Tommy Reese. And I think this opens up a lot of opportunities for Notre Dame. That being said, you know, for, for Alabama, I think this is kind of illuminating. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Tommy Reese. I think he's he's got a strong pedigree. I understand the, the interest in him. It was Notre Dame 60th in total offense? 42nd in scoring offense this past year. And the other thing is, is like you and I both know 
I'm not in love with Alabama's quarterback room. That's what I just said. You saw I, me. You saw me when it, ready to like go in on the show yesterday, and producer Jesse was like, "Nah, uh, cut you, like, cut you yeah. off." Yeah, gave you, gave you gave you the uh, the Bama bump, <laughs> bumped you out of there. Yeah, I mean, listen, Jalen Milrow, athletic. I think a guy that's shown he's a capable passer, but I think you have to tailor it to him. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Ty Simpson is just we haven't seen him. Well, and very talented. I mean, a guy that we had ranked as a five star last year, and I know there are a lot of high hopes for him. That being said, like there's a, there's a huge drop off between the guy that they've had for the last three years and whoever's next. Can I say the other thing too? I mean, you're talking about quarterbacks. I agree with you. Our stars align there to steal something from the Uber driver this morning, um, a saying from him. But Reese, let's also not forget like Alabama has a ton of holes on the offensive line. Like that unit, big question mark. I mean, <laughs> a lot could go wrong in, in, in 2023, is what I'm saying for not a first year play caller, but it's not like Alabama is. Uh, all buttoned up, um, you know, a big tank of an operation right now. Yeah, but I, I mean, if you're Tommy Reese, you have to do this. Yes, yes, you have to. Like there, there's really no, like there's no conversation if that job's on the table, you're taking it. Because for him, what accelerates your path to a head coach, which I ultimately is, I, I have to believe his goal to be a Power Five head coach. If that's he has success at Alabama at the highest level, then then that's something that's certainly going to elevate his profile in a hurry. I also am sitting here saying, like, I don't think Marcus Freeman is, like, <laughs> sitting there saying, hey, come back, think about this. Hey, I'm, hey, enjoy the time together. Good luck. I think that's what we'll see out of him. Who? Oh. All right, Tommy Reese goes to, to Bama. Which recruit does that help the most in Alabama's class? Change which, your outlook on which recruit. Yeah. How do you mean? Like one that they just currently signed or one? Of yeah, 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 exactly. Yes. Like yeah. to me, I'm like just the same, like stock up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd probably look at the tight end position a little bit, the way they use Michael Mayer. Now you, you wonder like, all right, that guy's a phenomenal talent and one of the most dynamic tight end pass catching options in the country. So maybe you kind of look at that position and say, all right, that's going to be one that's utilized a little bit more. I mean, they're more of a, a pro style offense. So it just puts this, it puts this huge amount of pressure to get the quarterback position, right? You know, like I keep talking about that, but like that's always been Notre Dame's Achilles heel. And now you got Sam Hartman and we're going to Tuscaloosa and, and you got Milrow, you got Simpson. I'm sure there's a lot to sell there, and I'm sure Nick Saban's working that hard. I am not in love with Lonergan or Holstein at all. And I'm going to be blunt here. I think both those guys are going to get passed up by whoever's next. And right now that guy's Julian Sane. And oh, you can I put can't... Julian Sane in the like column for me. I don't love him either. Yeah, I really like him. But none of these guys to me are, you know, got the ability to go play, go be in New York as a Heisman candidate. You know, I probably wouldn't have said that about Mac Jones, but like, you know, so fit's important. All that's important. I don't know. We'll see. But if I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's elevate this position. Let's go get the next guy. 
And the last thing, it kind of tells me that Alabama's in a, in a little bit of a dry market. So that would scare me if I was Notre Dame. If this is the, the best option, Ryan Grubb was the other one, which I thought was really fascinating, offense coordinator at, at Washington. I don't know, man. Like, I, I love the influx of talent at Alabama. I have all the confidence in the world and, and one of the best coaches of all time in Nick Saban, but it would be interesting to see the combination of what they decide to do with the coordinator position. We, we haven't even really talked about what they've done on the defensive side of the ball, right? Have there been any talks there? I know they're hiring that guy from – they're hiring the guy from old, uh, Southern Miss. That's right. I thought Jim Leonard would be interesting there. Yeah. I kind of liked his pedigree. All right, Andrew, final thoughts before you uh, – big weekend for you, my man. I'm excited for you. <laughs> you just – you need to – you need this. I need it. I do need it. I, I need it in so many different ways. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out, like – I wish I had, like, a – I could leave my status as like, please just don't hit me up about getting some 2025 graded. I will not add an offer to your profile. Um, I'm not giving you quotes on some underclassman that committed uh, and won't sign for 10 months. I love that I, from you. <laughs> like, how do, I, how do I make that my status? Well, it's got to be your set. Yeah, just put it. I think you just tweet it. <laughs> just tweet it. You like that. You know what's funny? This feels like our show on. Was it Tuesday with Steve? It was like so high energy and it was just like, you know, it was flowing. Today was like, we're going to look back on this show hopefully a year from now. Hopefully we're not canceled. We'll look back on this show and we'll be like, wow, that's what a post-signing day should. Like you I and I look like both really tired. You have more excuses to be more tired than I am. But I'm like, I feel like we've just whispered on this show a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I I left it all, everything I, I, I gave everything I could uh, to that broadcast yesterday. There was definitely some, some areas where I could improve, but you know, let's talk about it. Where do you think you need to, what do you need to clean up? Let's talk about us <laughs> improving our media prowess. Oh man. Well, they, they had me like talking transfers and they gave me some kid's name that I just knew I was going to butcher. And I'm like, why are you getting, I'm like, why am I like, come on guys. I was upset about, that. I was upset about that. My back was killing me at the end. That's CrossFit, dude. Well, the the chairs weren't comfortable, but <laughs> it, it it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's part of the job. I just, you know, it's you never know what to expect, and then you just try to unload. And in the, like the pre production meeting, you're I'm always like, all right, who's the guy you guys are going to keep asking us about? And it's like crickets. And then the show comes, and it's like they keep bringing up the same guy, and you have like. To use your phrase, you've already unloaded your clip in the first hour on this guy. It's like now, what do I talk about? So who did who did they? Uh, my favorite is like when you before you go on a show and you're like, hey, what are we talking about? And it's like, oh, it's going to be like really free flowing conversation. You just get ambushed, you know, with something. You're like, wow, man, I was not prepared for that at all. Did you have any any surprises yesterday? Like on the desk, you're like, wow, I wish you guys would have teed me up on that one yeah it was like who is uh your your favorite uh transfer class i'm like i have no idea <laughs> like i i was like i don't know right <laughs> like <laughs> say something completely off the cuff i love that i love that all right drew let's uh let's take it out let's take it out right now guys if you are listening to the college football recruiting podcast 
not show, realized I said show last episode. Make sure you subscribe to it. I'm pretty sure the last comment we got or last rating we got on the show was definitely somebody in my family because <laughs> they said it's about time. They spell my last name wrong. It's about time Patanga got a podcast. You know, that definitely sounds like it was an inside job a little bit. So leave us some real comments, some some real feedback on there as well. We certainly enjoy that. And we appreciate you guys joining the show. Big weekend for Andrew. Big weekend for me. South Florida boys. Let's go. It's a big, it's a big weekend for Todd Hartley, too. I saw he's, he's headed to the Bahamas. Everyone's Is he? Having, yeah. God. What a fit, dude. Can we get this guy on the show? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to send him a couple messages. All right. You you got his number, huh? Yeah, man. He used to work at Miami. We're, yeah. Get this guy on here, dude. Does he have any idea how much we love him? I think I think there's some people in Athens that, that let him know. That have told him? Yeah. He's probably like, who the hell are those guys? <laughs> Weirdos. <laughs> All right, guys, for Andrew Ivins, our director of scouting here at 24-7 Sports, for the Rutgers alum and huge, huge Rutgers fan, big Greg Schiano guy, our producer, Lance Glenn. And for your favorite host and national recruiting analyst, I am Cooper Patagna. Have a great weekend. We will be back to talk 2024s and 2025s and 2026s and 2034s no, no, next we're, week. We're going to grade first-year head coaches as recruiters. That's what we said. Sounds good. That seems more relevant. So anyway, if you like that type of talk, make sure you return next week. Guys, we appreciate you following us throughout the entire process. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.